we still. That was great. Uh, we're glad you're here. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Matoya, Pastor of the Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. If this is your first time, I just want to say welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, we're in a we're starting a series today that I'm really excited about. But before we jump into that series, I want us to take a moment to say hello to all those tuning online. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're excited that you guys are with us today, and uh, it's good. So we ended a series in, in January um, that was called Head Not Tail, and we're going to a new series called Frequency, and it's about really about hearing the voice of God. And one of the number one questions that comes when it comes to faith, when it comes to God, is how do I know what God's saying? How do I know what I'm supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do this next season of my life? Hey, I'm praying, asking God for these, these answers, but I just don't, I, what is he saying? How, how can I know? Um, to what he's telling me in this, in this next season of my life. So whether you've never been to church and you have a question about God and how God speaks, maybe you've been going to church for a long time and you just have these uh, prayers that you've been waiting, saying, God, are you answering what's going on here? How can I, uh, how can I hear what you're trying to say? Whatever it is, this series is going to be very practical and very helpful for us to be able to learn what God is saying um, and, and, and how, what he's ta- how he's talking to us. And so we'll be going through that, uh, that series this month. And what we do is we, we take an idea and we walk through it for about four, four to eight weeks. Um, and we take these to this week is going to, this this month is going to be an idea of, of hearing God's voice what He's saying. Um, but in in January we did a series called Head Not Tail, and and we started off the first message. Um, and the, the whole series built around Deuteronomy 28, a book in the Old Testament uh, where, where Moses is talking to the next generation who's going into the promised land. And Moses tells them, essentially, if you obey God's voice, if you do these things, you'll be blessed, right? But if you ignore his voice, if you don't take heed, if you don't listen, uh, the consequences will. You'll have all these curses that will follow you, and there will be negative repercussions and consequences that come with it. Um, but the verse starts off like this. It says in Deuteronomy 28, uh, Now it shall be, if you diligently listen to and obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands, commandments which I am commanding you today, the Lord will, and then he goes into the blessings, he will bless you if you do those things. And he says, but if you don't, if you ignore them, then you can expect the opposite. And so essentially we did this whole series of 2019, what would it look like if, if we ended the year as the head, not the tail? What would it look like if we were blessed in everything we did, everything we put our hands to? And the whole series was built around that, of, of how, God, can we make 2019 the best year of our life? And the principles in the Old Testament that we talked about were these, these ideas of these different areas of our life, right? Um, when, we, when we trust him in those ways, we can have success. Well, that whole verse starts off with what we're going to be talking about today and this month, is if you diligently listen to and obey the voice of the Lord. So if you don't if you can't hear God's voice, it's going to be very difficult to obey what he's saying, right? So what is God asking me to do? I don't know. Well, if you don't know what he's saying, you're not going to be able to, to act out that and have action follow up what he's asking you. So it's important that we learn to listen. And Moses is saying diligently. That means this is an ongoing thing. It's not just like a one-time, hey, speak to me, I'm listening. But it's this relationship, a conversation where you're saying, how can I cons- consistently pay attention to what God is trying to say to me in my life? And then Jesus, um, as, as, as Christ followers, we listen, we follow Jesus' example. That's what being a Christian means. We're following Christ's example. We believe he was God's son. And he came, and when he speaks about um, the same idea of listening to God's voice, he gives this illustration of sheep following a shepherd. Right? So there's a famous passage in the Bible called Psalm 23 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. And it compares us as sheep to God who is our shepherd that's leading us on this journey. And Jesus says this about sheep and a shepherd. All right, John 10, 3 through 5. The gatekeeper, he opens the gate for him, and the sheep, they listen to his voice. So the thing about sheep is when they're with the shepherd for a long period of time, eventually they learn this shepherd's voice. So they can hear his voice, and they know how to follow him. And it say, he says when the, when, when the shepherd calls, right, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out 
all his own, he goes ahead of them. So this idea is there's going to be these sheep kind of in the same area, and the gate's open, and the shepherd says, all right, sheep, let's go. And they enter, they hear his voice, and they follow his lead. The ones that, that aren't that shepherd's sheep, they don't. And so he says, it's, it's kind of like following God is like that. And his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And this whole passage is about hearing God's voice and it's about being the kind of people who say, all right, if you're the shepherd and we're the sheep, we're going to follow you. It's important that we understand and recognize what God is saying. Um, in Proverbs 3, 6, um, we need to learn this dynamic, right? This whole se- this series is about a dynamic that we need to have in our lives if we're going to hear what God is saying. Uh, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So it's God's voice that's going to keep us on track. If we'll listen, if we'll, we'll apply our hearts and we'll, we'll obey what he's saying, he'll keep us on track. And then Luke 8, 8, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And today we're going to start off our series by talking about this, this passage in Luke chapter 8. Um, and and in, in this, really, he, what he, what he, he ends a, a parable, a story, um, with this, this statement, who has ears, let him hear. And the idea of this whole series that we'll be talking about is it's... Um, when people have a hard time hearing God's voice, it's not that God has a speaking problem. It's that we have a hearing problem, right? God is always speaking. Throughout history, he, he's been speaking to individuals, looking for those individuals who will listen and who will obey. So God is always speaking. He speaks through his word as we read the Bible. He speaks through different individuals. Like today, I, I believe that as I share God's word, as, as the Bible, that he's using me to speak something to you, a truth, some kind of idea. And then he uses his spirit, his voice to speak to us. And so he, he doesn't have a speaking problem. It's, it's that we a lot of times have a hearing problem. And so we need to have the right kind of ears. And so for this series, as we learn about what does it take to hear God's voice, part of the we're going to start off is you have to have the right kind of ears. And what does that look like? Where does that start? And so we're going to talk about that. So let me, let me show, you the, show you the parable that he, that he, that he said, that he shared, um, and then his explanation of the parable. What's really great about this parable is after he shares it, his disciples say, okay, Jesus, you've said this, show this parable. What does it mean? And what's great about this parable, not, he doesn't do this to every single story or, that he shares, but this one he does share. So some are very self-explanatory. You hear the, you see, hear the story, you get, get it. Uh, but other times it's like, okay, that was a weird story, but what does it mean? And in this case, the disciples come and say, what does that mean? And then he goes deeper and says, here's the meaning of that story. Um, so a parable, you might have heard it said, you know, um, let me plant this thought in your mind. That's kind of like what this parable is referring to. It's, it's taking something and planting something in our, in our lives. And that's what a parable is. So it's a story that God, that Jesus used to explain a bigger truth, right? So Luke 8, 5 through 8, he starts off telling the story. He says, uh, the farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, right, he's throwing the seed out, he's planting the seed, some fell along the path. And it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. So it didn't, it didn't nothing, it was no good. It didn't, nothing happened to that seed. And then some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Um, other seed, they fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still, other seed, as he was sowing it, fell onto good soil. And it came up and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. So what, what, what Jesus is saying in the story is there's these different types of soil. There's these different scenarios here. There's a, there's a condition of the soil. And each soil that the seed was sown on had a different result. So one had no results. Others had short-term results. Others had results, but then it was choked out. And then finally, the last one had some really good results. And he's saying there's these different types. And in our lives, and I would, I would say even this, that um, in my life, 
every single day, I could fluctuate between all four of these soils uh, when it comes to the scenarios that, I, that play out. And so they ask him, what is the meaning of this? And so uh, Jesus responds to the disciples, let me tell you the meaning. And so Matthew eight eleven, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So he begins to explain the story he just told his disciples. And he says, the seed that was being sown, that's the word of God. And the word of God, when it was spoken, when it was shared, some of the seed that fell on good soil and some fell on bad soil. And so Luke 8, Luke 8, 12, he says, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. So those that are on the, on the path, the seed that fell on the path, that represents a type of soil that, remember the birds, he said the birds of the air, they got trampled on, the birds of the air came and, and stole it. Well, he's saying that seed, it fell on hard ground, so the birds came and ate it. It was easy picking for the birds. It was easy to get. And because it was hard, it wasn't able to get into the ground and germinate and become a, a plant. It wasn't able to grow. So it just stayed on top and nothing happened to it. So it was actually trampled and it was taken away. And he says those ones are the ones who hear, but the enemy comes away and takes it from them. From their, and notice what he says, the word from their hearts. So what is he comparing the hard soil to? Somebody's heart. So the first type of soil represents the hard heart. All right, the first type of soil when the word is being spoken, whether that's when maybe you're coming to church and whatever's being taught, um, as the word is being shared, if you have a hard soil, it's not going to take root. It's going to just kind of bounce off. It's going to just stay on the top and never do anything with it. And at some point, it'll, it'll just be lost. Nothing will happen to it. And, and he's saying that the hard heart is that first type of, of soil. Um, it'd be the footpath. Now, these would be the kind of people who are like a footpath, who are narrow-minded, and their mind is already made up. So essentially what happens is they have a hardened soul out of a closed mind. Um, I can be like this sometimes. When I go into conversations or when I go to certain conferences or even sitting in services, like I need to make this assumption, I already know everything I need to know, I'm not going to pay attention. What is that? A closed mind, something that's already made up, so I'm, I'm unreceptive to hear whatever's being said. And what's really sad is sometimes I can actually learn from that person that's speaking if my heart would be open. Because I have a hard heart, closed uh, uh, mind, I have this, essentially my mind's already made up. It doesn't matter what you're going to say. I'm going to continue to do my own thing anyways. That's a hard heart. Um, so some people might say, well, God never, that's great he talks to you. He never talks to me. Well, maybe there's a good chance that your heart is hard and your mind is already made up. So even if he did talk to you, you probably wouldn't even hear it because what he's saying is something different than what you already want to do. Uh, it's like a story I heard about these, these hunters who, who went to Canada to hunt some moose. And while they were up there hunting, they chartered a plane, they flew in, and uh, they, had, they had tags for six moose. And throughout the week, they were able to bag six, six moose. And so the, the pilot comes back to pick them up, and they show him the six moose. And he's like, oh, wait, guys, um, I can only take four in my plane. Um, that's, a, that's the limit. I can only take four. And the guy's like, what? So, so, so Tom and Bill are like, what do you mean? Um, we came last year, and our pilot took, let us take six. And he's like, well, my plane only takes four, and, but he let us take six, and it's the same size of plane as yours. Um, and so the pilot reluctantly says, okay, we'll, we'll try this. We'll do it. So they load up the six moose in, into, the, into the small plane, and they begin to fly. And the plane was so heavy that it couldn't get above the mountains, and so it, 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 it hit some of the, the trees and eventually crashes. And, and Bill and Tom are the only two to survive. The pilot dies. Um, they survived probably because of the, the, the moose that were surrounding them and to help them protect them. And so as, as they get out of the plane, they're crawling out, and Bill and Tom get out, and they look at each other like, man, where are we? Do you know where we're at? And, um, and, and Bill looks at Tom and says, you know what? This kind of looks like the same, play we, pl- the same place we crashed last year. That's a hard heart, right? You already know the results are going to happen, but you already made up your mind to say, we're going to do our thing anyways, no matter what. 
That's a hard heart. It's somebody who says we're going to keep getting the same results, but it doesn't matter because that's what I want. And when we have a hard heart, we miss out on what God is saying. Um, if you didn't get the joke, do I have to explain it? No? All right, you, you can get it. So they crashed the two years in a row, just in case you missed that, right? And you'll keep crashing if you keep having a hard heart. Because the idea is you're not going to improve as long as you keep doing what you're doing and getting the same results. Uh, people that do that, they have the hard heart because they're not willing to be receptive to hear something. The one thing that helps me not have a hard heart is whenever I talk to somebody, I make an assumption that there's something that I can learn from every single person I talk to, every single person. And here's, the good, here's, here's maybe one way to help you because you might think, well, no, not everybody can teach me something. Yes, everybody's good for something, even if it's just a bad example, all right? So if they teach you something and it's a bad thing, that's a learning, right? You're like, never do that. That was really dumb. It's a bad example. You can learn from somebody even if it's just the opposite of what you need to learn. And, and we can learn from something from everybody. And so it's keeping our heart open. James 1.21 says it like this. Uh, tells us when it comes to our hearts. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts. For it is strong enough to save your soul. So James is saying well, our hearts become hard. Why? Because we allow things in it that, put, that pollute it, that stop it, that, that, that clog it up and, and make us hard. Essentially, so you're saying get rid of all the garbage. Maybe that's some of the TV, TV shows that we watch, or maybe it's some movies or books or magazines, or maybe games or websites that we shouldn't be indulging in. And those things, they actually, they actually harden our hearts. They, they get in our lives, and sin causes us to do our own thing. And, and, it, and it leads us away from God. And he's saying if we will, and here's the key phrase is, humbly accept the message. What does a humble person say? I don't have it all together. A humble person says, I can't do it on my own. A humble person says, I need help, Right? The opposite, a hard person, has a hard heart, is a proud person that says, no, nah, I can do it myself. And this person never hears God's voice because the heart is hard, and it doesn't matter what you read, how many times you go to church, no matter what you do, um, it never gets in because your heart is hard. You made a decision, and you're going this way, and, and the Bible uses this word, it's called repent, right? So you made a decision, you said, my mind's made up, I'm going to do my own thing, but it's not working. And your life is going this direction, it's not working. The Bible says whenever you find yourself in that scenario... The, 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 what you have to do, the answer to that is to repent. Repent means to return or to turn back to God. So it just means that what's not working is we say, God, I'm going to make a U-turn, and I'm going to start walking your direction. That, that, way, that lifestyle, that way doesn't work, so I'm going to go your way. And, and this word is full of so much hope, right? It sounds like repent. It sounds like this religious word. No, it's a word that has so much hope, which means what's not working, if you turn to God, will begin to work. Like there's hope, there's a better future if you'll just turn away from what doesn't work. Humbly accept the message that God wants to plant in your hearts. And then you'll realize it is strong enough to help you to save your soul. Uh, we can't begin a new life, okay? We can't go into the new until we turn from the old. As long as you're holding on to the old, you'll never be able to embrace the new. We always have to let go of the old. That's what repentance means. And we begin to embrace what God has for us is the new. So what doesn't work, we say, God, I want to follow your way, which does work. And this is what Jesus is saying through his stories is, hey, God's way works. If you'll follow it, it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it, it, makes it better. Uh, Luke 8, 13, here's a second soil. Uh, the rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. Right? So the soil is shallow. And not just that, there's a lot of rocks in the soil. So the soil, the roots can't grow down deep because of the rocks, because of the, the, the soil is very shallow. So they believe for a little while, but they will when the hot winds of testing blows. Another, another parable that's taught, uh, this one's in Luke and Matthew and, and Mark and Luke, is the same story's told. One of the parables, one of the, the versions of the story says, when the sun beat down upon that plant, it wilted and died. Why? Because its roots didn't, weren't able to go down far enough to get the moisture it needed to be able to survive the heat that came. 
And here's the thing. Sun for a plant is really, really good, right? But too much sun for a plant that doesn't have roots is actually bad. So it's the thing that should be strengthening us becomes the thing that actually ruins and hurts us when we are not mature enough. So the second type of heart of soil, the second type of heart is this, the immature heart. When somebody's immature, when something difficult comes to them, they give up on God. They walk away from God. They, they give up on the direction they're going and say, you know what, it's too hard. I'm just going to keep doing my, my own thing because it's easier. I'll just stick to the easy path rather than the harder path that God is calling me to. This is the immature heart. And see, here's what Paul says in Romans is, it's, it's, um, as we hear the word of God, the reason we hear the word of God and what it's trying to do is produce faith in our lives. So God speaks something to us. We read the Bible. We come to church. Uh, others are sharing with us. That, those words that, that are spoken to us are supposed to grow our faith. And then once we hear the word and our faith begins to grow, our faith is always tested. Always so whenever you begin to grow in something, God wants to see if you really understand it. So he allows a test to come your way, a temptation or some kind of test. And whenever we face that test or temptation, it's not God's way of saying, how strong are you? Because James tells us that God will not ever put us through something that we can't endure. Like there's no temptation that you'll face that you can't overcome. Because God loves you so much, it says, I'm not going to give you something you can't handle. I'm not going to give you something that's going to overtake you. I'm going to give you something to show you that you actually can overcome that. And, and the, the test, and this is what I learned in my small group this last week, we have our small groups happening right now. And, and the test that we face, it's not a test of self-control or how strong we are. It's always a test of our relationship with God or our relationship with others. See, when we face something, it's, it's more has to do with the relationship than with ourself. And what God is saying, if you're facing something that's hard, it's because I, I believe you can overcome that. You're stronger than that. And if you'll trust our relationship and you'll trust me to lead you, you'll actually see yourself on the other side of that test stronger and encouraged. Which means the thing that, that should be strengthening us if we're immature and we don't grow up becomes the thing that makes us walk away from God. So this would be the person that comes to church or reads the Bible, gets excited about Jesus' teaching and says, man, I want to follow Christ. That's a great thing. Like, I'm all in. Let's do this. And then the first time something hard comes to their life and they, they face a difficulty, it's like, oh, I don't think I want this anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. That was a lot easier. And they walk away. Why? Because they didn't give themselves enough time to mature. Maturity means you have to go through something difficult and you keep growing down. And you trust God through that difficulty so you, your roots can grow down deeper. You get people around you so they can help you on this journey. Um, it, it's, it's, it's growing deeper. It's growing up. This is why small groups are so important in our church. All right? On Sundays, it's great. We're teaching you something. We're giving that. But when you get in a small group, you're with others who are saying, you can do this. You can overcome. I believe that you, you, you have something more in you. Let's learn something together. Let's grow. And then we begin to mature. And we begin to, to get better. And then for some of us in this room, like you've been following Christ for a long time. Like you want to mature? Lead a group. If you begin to lead groups, you'll see that you'll, you'll be the one. So I lead a group every semester. And I'm out of all my group, not always, but typically I'm the one that grows the most. At least I think that or I assume that because I'm growing every time. Why? Well, I'm teaching. I'm digging in. I'm learning. I'm giving people others. That's something that I'm learning myself. And what happens is my heart is staying, is staying good soil where I want to receive. And I'm saying, I don't want to stay stuck where I'm at. I don't want to stay mature. I want to mature. I want to grow. So some of you, you need to start leading groups. That will be a, the place you step out and begin to, to grow in your faith. It's getting in the right environment that you can grow. So if, you, if you're an immature follower of Christ, you need to begin to get around other people that are mature that can walk you through the journeys that you're on. Maturity, it comes when we stop making excuses and we start making changes. See, too many people make excuses of why they can't get better, why things can't change. And the moment we stop making excuses and say, okay, I'm no longer going to make those excuses. I'm going to start making the needed changes. I'm going to follow what God has. That's when maturity begins to happen. 
So when it comes to reading our Bible, when it comes to praying, when it comes to church, um, it's important that we do these things. All right. Um, this is even why growth track. We, we want to help people mature. And one of the ways you mature is you get plugged into a church and you, you let your roots grow down deep and you're faithful in that. And so growth track is a way that we let people experience our church for who we are, what we believe, our strategy. And we say, hey, here's what we're doing. This is what we have to offer. If, if your, your journey doesn't fit with ours, that's okay. Like we'll help you find a church that you can get excited about because the, the, the point is not this church that, that's the only church. The point is help build the kingdom of God. And if this church doesn't work for you, let us help you find a church that works for you so you can, your roots can grow down deep, you can be excited about the kingdom of God, and you can grow. So growth track is a way to say that. Decide if this is your church or not. If not, find one so you can be excited about what God is doing in your life, and, and, and you can grow, and the kingdom can grow because of that. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Consider, consider a sheer gift, friends. Consider this a gift, all right? This doesn't sound like, this is kind of like a, one of those oxymorons, right? Be happy about something that's about to come that's not good for that doesn't seem good for us. A gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Wait, wait, wait. When challenges come from me at all sides, that is not fun, right? But he's saying this is a gift because you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. When we're tested, what's inside of us begins to be exposed because God wants us to see that. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't stay immature. Let, let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. What is James telling us? Grow up. Grow up. Let the things that come our way that challenge us be the things that, that catapult us into the future, that, that stretch us to go even further and greater. Because God has given us that test, not, not to hurt us, but to make us stronger so our faith can grow. He wants, to, wants you to pass the test, so he's showing you how to, how to do these things so you can overcome. Uh, Luke eight fourteen says, this is the third type of soil. The seed that fell among the weeds stands for those who hear. So Jesus tells a story. They come back and say, explain these things. So he's explaining the first, the second. Now he's saying the third type of seed that fell in the weeds, right? It's those who hear, but then they go on their way, and, they're, and they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. So both have an issue of maturity, but one is because of the, the issues in their life that chokes out. The, so essentially this plant grows. But the weeds grow up with it, and the weeds are too strong for it, so it chokes it out and never produces fruit. The fruit that begins to grow doesn't mature on the branches. It actually dies. And so he's saying that, that fourth type of soil that, that, that the word is being shared, uh, sown in, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't produce what God wants it to. Why? Because we call this the distracted heart. It's a distracted heart. And this may be one of the biggest issues that we have in our culture, and honestly for myself also. Distracted heart. My wife... Um, um, on our phones, you know, the little red icons that pop up on your apps, you know, the little notifications. Um, so every now and then she'll get my phone and she'll be like, what? You have a thousand emails? Like, how can you sleep at night with a thousand emails in your notifications? I'm like, you know, I read the important ones. I just kind of skim, skim through all the other ones. And eventually I go delete them all. And uh, it just takes a while. She's not that type. She's like, man, I cannot. Everything's got to be checked before I go to bed. No, no icons, no red dots, right? Notifications. So, so there's some things in our life when it comes to distractions that aren't actually bad for us. But they're still distractions. Um, sometimes it's good things, but they can be distractions that keep us from the best things that God has for us. Um, like, like example, smartphones. You know, as I talk about my smartphones and the notifications. You know, you ever you, you ever get, get doing something on your phone? Maybe it's something good, like even the Bible app. We, we have a group of people reading the one year Bible together on the app, and as you're reading, you know, a little notification drops down and says. So-and-so just commented on your picture. And you're like, what? What did they save on my picture? I got to go see because this is really important. So you leave your Bible app and you go to Instagram or Facebook and you're like, oh, yeah, they like me. Look at those likes. Oh, man, nobody's liking that picture. What's going on? 
And then you begin to scroll the feed, and like, oh, yeah, this, this. And you scroll and look at comments, comment a few things. And then you look up, and the time you're trying to read your Bible, you now spent an hour surfing the web, right? And one thing led to another thing. That's called the distracted person, right? That happens to me. Like, if I'm trying to focus on something, and then something happens, it distracts me. And if I'm doing something really important where I'm focused and trying to do it, if you lose focus, it takes even more time to regain that focus. You can get back into the flow of things. And so distraction is it's, it's, it's something we can't. We can't allow, choke out the things that God's doing in our lives. Those things aren't bad, but when it's misprioritized, when it's done before the important things, it chokes out the things God wants to do in our lives. This is a very subtle strategy the enemy has. It's gonna, he's going to insert things that aren't even bad. I mean, it talks about the wealth. It talks about worries. Those things can be bad, right? When we're worrying, we're not trusting God. When we're consumed with, with wanting more and more of wealth, that, that takes our attention. It becomes a distraction. And what happens is we're more focused on what we want and what makes us feel good in the moment that we miss out on what God is wanting to do in our lives in the bigger story and even into eternity. And we only think about now, not then. In fact, one, one story, um, the Bible talks about there's these two sisters, Martha and Mary. Um, and and, and their two ladies are in the same story, but they have different results. And so Martha and Mary are there, and they, they're eating at, just eating at their house. And, and uh, Martha, it says she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teachings. But Martha who was overly occupied and too busy, she was what? Distracted with much serving. So she was, serving is not bad. Serving is really good. But she was, even something good was distracting her for something that was more important. And she comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I'm working really hard back here. I'm serving and I'm, 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 I'm you know, cleaning and cooking all this stuff. Can you tell my sister to come and help me out? And Jesus says, no, no, Martha, Martha, you're, you're so worried about so many things. You're so occupied. Your sister has actually chosen something better. Like, you should actually come sit down and listen also because what I'm sharing is going to go a lot more further into your help you in in the future than just serving right now. Not a bad thing. I can be distracted by serving. I'm doing all these good things all the time that I get so busy doing that I forget that God is actually wanting to talk to me, wanting to do something in my life. This is why Sundays are so, so, so important. So, by the way, good job. You came today. Uh, We start our week off, right? The first day of the week saying, God, we want to put you first. What are we saying? God, I'm, I'm clearing out the distractions. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to, to refocus me. Help me to focus on what's important. Help me to, help me to do something with my life that's going to matter. In fact, if you want to hear God's voice, we must turn down the world's volume. To hear God's voice, you have to turn down the world's volume because the world gets really loud, right? The bills are there and the kids are there and, and all these other work is there. In school, all these things get really loud. But if you want to hear God's voice, you have to turn that down and say, I can't be distracted. God, I need to focus. So even on Sundays, it's a way that we pause. We take some time to say, God, I, I, I ask you to lead me on this journey. I'm going to turn down all the distractions today, in this moment, and I want to hear your word. And see, when you, when you have that kind of heart that's distracted, even when God speaks something to you on a Sunday morning when you read your Bible or in the middle of the week, if you're distracted, that seed that might start growing, but it's going to get choked out by all the worries, all the distractions that we allow in our life. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, since we're surrounded by so many good examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must refocus on Jesus. We must refocus on Jesus. So he's saying, don't get distracted. If you want to run the race, if you want 2019 to be a great year, you can't stop now. Don't be like the immature person that just starts running and then gets tired and gives up. You know, don't, don't be like the distracted person that starts doing something, but then lets the other worries of this world keep you from God's best. And notice the scripture, we, we, us, we, us, us, we. What is he saying? The writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, this journey is not meant to be alone. It's not just you and God. This is the community of people that are saying, hey, together we can do this. 
Let us encourage each other. Let's run together. Small groups, again, this is why small groups are so important, because we're saying together we can do. Serving on team, this is why serving on team is so important, because together we're saying we can do more together than we can by ourselves. Um, get, get involved. Get plugged in. All right, so the fourth soil, uh, Luke eight fifteen. The fourth soil represents the seed that fell on good soil. It stands for those with a noble and good heart. So notice the Bible keeps talking back. The soil is not just the soil, the type of soil the seed grows in, but it's, it's, it's the type of heart that we have. And it's a noble heart and a good heart. So it's a heart that's receptive and willing to hear. It's one who, who hear the word, uh, word of God, retain it, and by persevering produces a good, good crop. So this is the person that God speaks something, hey, you should love your neighbor. And that seed gets in your heart and begins to grow. Yes, even the neighbor you despise, even the neighbor doesn't like you. And you begin to let that grow. And all of a sudden, you're now loving people that you, shouldn't, you didn't love previously. Right? You're now doing things that you didn't do previously, but it's producing good things in your life. You're being generous with your time. You're being generous with your finances. Why? It's producing something in you that says, life is not about me. And that seed that gets planted in us begins to produce something great. In fact, in this version, it says it produces 100 times what was given, what was sown into that person's life. So the question is, what, what, what type of soil are you? This, this fourth one represents a prepared heart. This would be the right soil, the right environment. So you notice the different types of soil. It's an environment that's conducive to growth or not conducive to growth. What kind of soil do you have? Are you that first one that's a hard heart? And, and like I said, some days I could be all different types of soils when it types of soils when it comes to trying to follow God's lead. Some days I'm the distracted soil, and I get distracted by things. Some days I'm the immature soil, and I'm like, man, I really don't want that. That's a hard. I don't want to face that. I, I think I'm just going to do the easy route. And some days I'm the hard heart. It says, you know, my mind's made up. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. I'm going to do my own thing. And when we're that type of soil, we miss out on what God is doing. And then other days, my prayer that I'll be this more often than the others is, God, I want to be the good soil that has a noble heart, that a heart that's open, a heart that's soft, a heart that that soil is ready to receive the seed, and it's, it's ready to begin to grow and produce something even great. So here's the thing. If you, if you want to not be the first three soils and you want to become that last soil, here's the steps you need to take. We talked about the first one, repent, right? You have to repent. You can't do your own thing. If you have a hard heart, you have to say, God, give me a, a soft heart. In fact, in, in the Old Testament, there's a, a prophet says, God, would you take my, my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh? What is he saying? I don't want to be a proud person. I don't want to be a person that just says I'm going to do my own thing no matter what. But God, give me a, a heart of flesh, a soft heart that would be able to follow you. So we have to repent. We have to go say, I'm no longer going to go that way. God, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to turn from the old so I can embrace the new. The second thing is you have to mature. You have to allow God to do his work in your life, which means... You're going to have tests. You're going to have challenges that come your way. That's not a bad thing. It's God saying, I believe in you. You can overcome this. You can get better through this challenge. Trust me on this journey. And then you let him mature. You grow up. And then the third thing is you have to refocus. Whenever we're distracted, you have to have ways to say, okay, how can I get focused back on the journey I'm on? How can I return my attention back to that? You know, when it comes to uh, distractions, we find these things that are not good for us, and we continue to do them as a distraction behind the wheel. They're not good. But in our lives, it's easy to point that out and say, yeah, texting and driving is bad. But what about all the other things that distract us? What about Facebook for four or five hours at a time during the day? What about social media? What about chasing things that don't matter in the end? We all are guilty of that, right? And so it's, we have to become this person that says, how can I refocus on a weekly basis? Sunday mornings, we're helping you refocus. On a daily basis, God, help me to refocus. One of the questions to ask before you go to bed is, God, did I, what did I miss this today? What did I not do that I was supposed to do? What, what did I do that pleased you? What did I do that not, didn't please you? And ask the questions. Re, re, look back on your day and reflect and say, God, what, 
how can I get better? How can I refocus? Having a, um, a daily time of to pray or study the Bible is important. You're in this, this habit of refocusing all the time. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says this, let us make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. So those things that are getting inside of us, the emotions, you know, the, the issues that come our way, all those things on the inside, let, let's, let's have a clean break with those things that distract us. And then all the things on the outside, things that without, on the outside, let, let's make a clean break of those. Let us, let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. What is Paul saying in Corinthians? Become mature. Grow up. Become a good type of soil that allows God to work in your life so that you can hear what God is saying. In fact, God's voice, it's always clearest in a, in a prepared environment. If you want to hear God's voice, the environment has to be prepared. We have to, we have to be intentional about that. If you're a farmer and you're going to plant something, right, you go to the right environment. You make sure that the, the soil is correct so that you can get a really good return on what you planted. You don't throw your seed on, on, waste, on a ground that's not going to do anything good. You'd be wasting your money. You'd be wasting your crop. You put it in something good. It's the right, the right soil. Um, it's the conditions of our heart. These scenarios are the different types of heart. And, and the results are always shown by different responses to God. A hard heart doesn't produce anything. A shallow heart only grows up for a short time but then fades out. A, a, a heart that is, is in with the rocks and the distractions and the weeds um, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't go to all the way. It doesn't produce what God wants it to. Only a good, good soil does. It's, it's like um, if, if you went to Canada and you try to grow bananas, right? You can't grow bananas in Canada. It's not going to work. Why? It's the wrong type of soil for that kind of fruit. But if you go to the, into the Bahamas, you go into the, into the, uh, the Caribbean, be easy to grow bananas there. Why? It's the right soil, the right environment. So if you want to have some great things produced in your life, you have to have the right soil, the right type of heart. And God is saying, don't miss this. If, if, if you want to hear God's voice, it, it happens in a prepared environment. Somebody's being intentional, saying, I want my heart to be soft. I want my heart to be free of distractions. I want my heart to, to, to grow and mature, even in the difficulties, even the challenges that come my way. Uh, so it's the nature of the soil. And if prepared properly, it can receive that seed and produce a fruitful harvest. Uh, and here's what Paul, Jesus says, you know, our salvation is not just by word and what we speak and declare. Our, our salvation is proved by the results that we produce, right? So the, what's happening in our lives, the, the things that we're producing with our lives, good fruit is proof that we are following Christ. And bad fruit is proof that we're following our own ways. He's saying, be the kind of person that produces something, something really good. Not just merely hearing something, but doing something with it. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell the story of the parable of the sower. And notice what Matthew says. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. So don't miss out. Mark says, consider carefully what you hear. And then Luke says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. What are you saying? Pay attention to your heart. Yeah, you have, you, let your ears hear, but it can't just stop there. Let it, let it do its work inside of your life. So hear, but then what are you hearing? And then how exactly are you listening? What is the environment like? What are you doing with this? And in one of the parables, it says uh, that, the, that the good soil, some produced 30, some produced 60, and some produced 100 times what was given to it. I pray for our church, for you, that you would be the 100 percent percenters, that you'd be the ones that say, what God has given me, I'm going to reproduce this everywhere I go. I'm going to be that kind of person that produces a life that doesn't happen on accident. It, it's only produced by somebody who says, I'm going to prepare what God wants me to do. That's from honesty. That's from openness. It's, it's hearing, not just hearing, but retaining and then persevering in whatever God does. So my question as I end the service is this. 
um, how much do I intend to produce? How much do you intend to produce this week, next week, this year? What do you want the results to be? Because they don't happen on accident. Because if you if you made up your mind and you say, it doesn't matter what God says, I'm going to do my own thing, you'll produce nothing. And if you don't allow God to mature you and grow you through difficulties, maybe a hard conversation that comes this week, in the middle of that you pause and say, all right, God, what are you doing here? Help me to mature and grow, not just to respond out of emotion. If you don't, you won't produce anything. And if your heart is distracted and all these things, and a lot of times they're not even bad things, but they're just things that distract us, they'll keep us from what God wants to do. But if you will say, God, help me to have the right heart, help me to have the right soil, help me to get in the right environment, help me to prepare myself when I read the Bible, when I come to church, when I pray, that I can produce what you want me to produce. So here's my challenge. My challenge is this. Prepare yourself to hear what God is saying. You want to hear what God is saying? You have to prepare. And the way we do that is in our hearts, by repenting, by maturing, and then by refocusing. And this happens to happen, has to happen on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis, right? This is why God gives us seasons and cycles, saying, don't forget this. Don't miss out. Um, prepare yourself to hear by turning away from those things that lead, lead us to the, the opposite of what God has from sin, um, letting God mature us through the, the challenges that come our way, and then learning to refocus when distractions, when in a very distracted world, that we can say, God, what's important? What do you want me to accomplish this week? So as, 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 as Jesus is telling this story, he's saying, what kind of, what kind of soil are you going to be? What kind of soil will you be? So in Romans, uh, Paul tells us, he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is he saying? You can't be a hard person. You have to accept that God is doing something. So don't keep your mind so set on your ways, but saying, God, I want to be open to you. God, give me a heart that's soft. Don't be proud. Right? He's saying you can't be that person. If you, want to, if you want to receive all that God has for you, you can't be the, the shallow soil that only goes for a moment because of what, it, what, what feels good. And then you can't be distracted. But you have to be that type of soul that says, all right, God, I'm going to be all in. And he says, if you'll declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? Because it's our mouth that we speak and the truth that God has done. And it's in our hearts that we believe and that we're justified, the Bible says. What does that mean? It means that we're saying, God, we can't do this without you. It's a, it takes a humble person to admit that they can't do it without God's help. A proud person says, nah, I can do it on my own. Religion, nah, that's for weak people. I'll just do it on my own. You know, God and Jesus' way, that's, that's for the weak. And, and Jesus is saying, God is saying, no, man, if you will humble yourself, I'll embrace that. But if you're proud, I always reject that. So today, as, as, I li- as you listen to the message today, what, what type of soil are you? What type of soil are you? Today, what type of soil have you been? My prayer is that you, if you came in hard, that something began to soften so that you can hear. If you've been distracted, my prayer is that you'd begin to recognize distractions for, for what they are, distractions. If you're an immature follower or, or person, my prayer is that you'd begin to say, God, help me to grow up. Help me to mature. Help me to get others around me to help me on this journey. And then if you're here today and you're wanting to do something with it, that good soil, then you need to begin to say, God, this, this, this today, what, what is it you want me to do with this? And then you begin to, to practice it and live it out. As you read your Bible on a daily basis, you're saying, God, what do you want me to do with this? And you practice it and you live it out. But today I want to start with um, the hard soil. Maybe you're a hard heart. You came today and you're doing your own thing. And um, you know it's not working. And so today I want to lead you and give an opportunity for you to say, God, forgive me. I want to turn away from that way. I want to go your way. God, I've been doing my thing and it's not working. I want to invite you to lead me on this. That's what salvation is. It's saying, God, I need your help. God, you died on that cross so I can have a better way, a new life. I want that new life. Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? And if that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to 
lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. But if you're here today and you would say, and I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be brave, I'm going to be open, and I'm going to acknowledge that that is me. And I've, I've been doing my own thing, and I no longer want to do that. I want to, I want to ask God to come and, and work in my life, God to come and lead me. See, being a Christ follower, a Christian, just means that we're following Jesus' lead. And you can't have a hard heart and follow Jesus' lead. And today I want to invite you just to, to be bold and courageous and say, that's me today, and I want to invite God into my life. So right now, if that's you, would you let me know you're here just by lifting your hand right in your seat? Just say, that's me. And I want to have a good heart. I want to have good soil. Awesome. Quite a few hands are going up. Anybody else? God, I don't want to have good soil. I want to produce what you want me to produce with my life. Awesome. Quite a few hands went up. And I'll lead you in a simple prayer, an invitation of saying, God, and I admit I can't do it without you. Come into my life. Lead me on this journey. If you, if you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. And if you're a Christ follower, would you join in praying so they're not praying alone? So we're not praying alone. Say this today. Say, Father God, today I admit that I cannot do it without you. Would you come into my life and give me a new start? Forgive me of my choices, of my past, of my sin that have led me away from you. Today I confess, can I do it without you? Give me a new start. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross for me in my place so I could have new life. And thank you that he's alive today to help me on this journey. I put my trust in you. Come into my life and lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate all those that prayed that prayer today. So good.